Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. We're going to talk again about freedom today. And I want to take you way back, way back, like throwback way back, right? We're going to go back to Adam and Eve in the garden. They had everything going for them. Paradise. You want to go swimming? Go swimming. You want to go name the animals? I'll give you the power. Name the animals. You want to hang out with God in the the middle of the day? He's going to walk through the garden. Go walk with God. Adam? Adam? Yes, Lord. You want to be fruitful and multiply? Yes, Lord. Have at it, Adam. By the way, Adam, Eve, she's with you. He has no clothes. Just hang out, Adam. Do your thing. Come on. Enjoy life. There's one thing I don't want you to do, though. Just one, just, 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 just one. Could you imagine living life where there was just one rule, one commandment, one, 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 one command, just, just one. Just one. Don't eat of that one tree. I want to give you a phrase this morning that might help you, and if you're a note taker, it's not in your notes, but you could write it down somewhere. Their desire, referring to Adam and Eve, their desire for what wasn't theirs cost them the blessing of all they already had. Let me say it again. Their desire for what wasn't theirs, that that tree, cost them the blessing of all that they already had. There was no death in the garden. There was no sin in the garden. They could eat strawberries without insects, right? Right? There just happened to be one other thing that showed up in the garden, and it was the serpent. It it was a snake that slithered up and said, hey, I've got an idea for you. Here's the idea. Break the law of that one thing. And Adam and Eve fell for it, and the reason that I'm here today is because I fell for it too. We're all sinners who need a Savior. We all have a little bit of Adam and Eve rebellion in us. Good morning. Aren't you glad you came to church? Come on. We do. We all have a little bit of rebellion. God says, I want you to go this way. And you say, ah, but I think this way is better. Well, how do you know that, Pastor? Because Isaiah the prophet said, God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And he's working double time to try to have us become fully devoted followers of Christ, to live after his will and after his way. And Satan is still trying to get people to do what God said not to do, and Satan's still trying to get people to go lose everything they have, trying to gain the one thing or the two things or the three things they don't have. Maybe you remember um, Patrick Henry. He said, give me liberty or give me death. At the end of his life, he gave everything he had to his children. At the end of his last will and testament, here's, here's what it says. I now have given everything I own to my children. There's one more thing I wish I could give them, and that is Christ. Because if they have everything, just think about it. If they have everything I gave them and don't have Christ, they have nothing. About five years ago, I used the next illustration. So somebody says, oh, he's repeating himself. Yeah, it's been five years. So some of you weren't here five years ago. So pretend if you heard it five years ago that you remember. You know, when you have a a, a computer, you can like go back and search words, and I, I searched it. Five years ago, you used this illustration. So for those of you here five years ago, pretend like you never heard it, 
And for those of you that are hearing it for the first time, go, that's awesome. So now here's my question. Here's my question. You'll all get this, but here's my question. How many of you are parents? Okay, parents. Wow, a lot of you. Wow, parents. You know the scariest day? The scariest day in your life as it pertains to your car or your SUV or your vehicle, the scariest day is when you put that child in the car or the SUV or the vehicle for the first time. Now, I remember my daughter coming home from the hospital after she was born in my wife's 64 and a half red Mustang with red interior. Boy, I wish we had that car. <laughs> it was cool. It was her first car, and we had it, you know? And so I said, okay, we're going to get this little bucket thing. Now we have robo-buckets, transformer buckets, more than meets the eye, right? You put your kid in it, airbags come in, deployment, you know, a little shield, force field, you know, right? GPS satellite tracking your kid, right? Now it's different. But back then, it was just a little bucket, and, and she was kind of small for the bucket, so we put some blankets in. The proper, she was all scrunched in, right? And I was driving home with my wonderful wife who had just given birth. Thank you, baby. And, and I'm driving 35 miles an hour on a freeway, right? Because we got precious cargo. And people about a mile in front were changing lanes, and I'm honking at them, get out of the way. We're coming home, baby. That's a, that's, that's a scary moment. You know, the second scariest moment involving kids and your car or SUV, what's the second scariest moment? Oh, when you give them the keys, and you pray they don't grind the starter, you know, after the car started. Come on. And, and you hope and pray that, that, that they don't crash, and, and if they're in the driveway, and they, they put it in R, or they shift it over in the reverse, and they start pulling back. I mean, you're, 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 you're frantic. I remember the first time my son drove. It wasn't that great. I'm just sorry. It wasn't that great. Took him to a big parking lot, and it was a stick shift, a Honda Civic. <laughs> Popping the clutch, man. Yeah, yeah, five speed. <laughs> Am I doing good, Dad? Sure, you're great, son. Just, just super, super driver. Don't hit anything. Dad, there's nothing in this big parking lot. I said, that's why we're here, son. There's nothing in this thing. And finally, he got on the roadway, and finally, he got on the, on the 101. I was praying in English, in tongues, anything I could find. Lord, help us. Help us, Lord, help us. And there he is driving, you know. People are honking because he's not going very fast. Come on, he's a beginner driver. It's a scary day. It's a scary day when you let someone else drive. But really, that's what the Christian faith is, is about. I give Jesus the keys. The old song, Jesus, take the wheel. Come on. I, I give him the wheel. I, I give him control of my life. I give him the authority of my life. Now, sometimes... I don't know about you, just, just think about this for a moment. You ever want to drive your life, run your life, control your life, and you want Jesus to be the passenger, the Lord of convenience, the Lord of help? If, if, by the way, Lord, if something happens like a flat tire or the clutch fries out or the brakes don't work, I'm going to ask you to take the wheel. But until that time, I'm going to do it my way because I really know a lot, God, and and of course, a driver at 16, I mean, they, they know everything, right? 
at, at 21, man, there's nothing else you can learn at 21. You know it all. Then you're 25 and you go, hmm, I wonder if there's more to learn. Then you have your own kids. That's a good day, by the way. Come on, parents. That's payback. When you have your own kids and you watch them raising their kids, woo, that's a good day. And their kids, your grandkids start being a little rebellious to mom and dad, and they don't do things that mom and dad say, and you kind of just look back and say, <laughs> vengeance is mine, say it to the Lord, but it's kind of good to watch it happen. And <laughs> your kid don't want to do what you say. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Can I stay up another hour? <laughs> I remember that. Isn't that great? Isn't that good? It's a good moment. Yeah. And then they start appreciating what they had with you and all that you went through to, to raise them and to cause them to grow. Well, what does this have to do with anything? I don't know, but I'll tie it in somehow. Yeah. <laughs> We're about to enter into Palm Sunday and then Good Friday and then, and then Easter. And the people will shout, Hosanna, Jesus. Come take care of us. Hosanna, Lord, come and heal us. Hosanna, Lord, come and overthrow the Roman Empire, Roman oppression. Turn around our economy, Lord. Do what we need you to do. Hey, you can sit in the passenger seat. You can ride shotgun. And you can help us. But if you want to change our lives, if you want to really, really mess with us and not those coming against us, we're not so sure about that. We're going to pick up a story today in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. And as you go to Luke chapter 4, if you have a Bible there, your Bible app or whatever, the words will also be on the screen. I want you to know that last week was an amazing week for me. I had one of the greatest Sundays I've had in a long time. I mean, the sermon was awesome. The preacher was really good last Sunday. I liked him. And he was all right talking about freedom. But here's the thing why I was so excited. 28 People. I ask very clearly in every service, is this the day you want to give your life to Jesus? Is this the day you're going to allow Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life? Is this the day you're going to walk into freedom and newness of life? There were 28 people who raised their hand for the first time to give their life to Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Now, why are we clapping? Because all of heaven celebrates. And you know what else? There are some churches in America last year that had zero people come to Christ for the first time. I, I couldn't have that on my conscience to never ask the question. So by the way, if you're here today, you've not given your life to Christ and, and you want to know more, I encourage you to come to our prayer team after the service is over. They'll talk you through and walk you through. And if you said yes to Jesus last week, we have a yes packet for you. If you didn't pick one up, it's got a Bible there and some notes there and a CD and a letter and a little booklet for you to start your study. You could just do this on, even on your own or with a friend, your study about who Christ is. And it's a really cool little booklet. And we have that all there for you. So don't hesitate to ask for one at the end of the service. But there is no way for a human being to come to God that doesn't involve surrender. Think about it. it, it it's an act of surrender where Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am the only way to the Father. The only way to the Father is through me. So there's surrender because if you think you can get to God on your own, if you can get there from here, then you don't need Jesus. But I, I'm going to just submit to you that you need Christ in your life. And so I want to take you to the first sermon of Jesus in Luke, in Luke chapter 4. But as we go there, I want you to know at the beginning of Luke 4, this is where Jesus gets tempted by the devil. Now, he's been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and 
The devil knows he's weak, and he has this plan. Remember the same devil from the garden, Adam and Eve? Here he is. He has his face-to-face encounter with Jesus Christ, and it's a battle of wills. It's a battle of collision. Now, without going through the whole detail of it, Jesus is asked to bow down and worship Satan. If you bow down, Satan says, I will give you all of this. Guess what? Jesus already owned it all. Right? It's kind of like Adam and Eve. Their desire ended up causing them to have or to take the thing that wasn't theirs and lose everything that already was. And now here's Jesus being tempted by the devil. And it's fascinating to me. The same strategy that he used with Adam and Eve, he now uses with Jesus. It's the same strategy he uses with us. He puts something in front of us and says, you really want this, don't you? You really need this, don't you? You really need her or him or that or it or whatever. This will give you freedom. This will give you life. But he doesn't tell you that behind the curtain is just more bondage. Behind the curtain is just a loss of what really is already yours in Christ. And so after the temptation happens and Jesus doesn't succumb to it, because if Jesus would have sinned, if he would have sinned, he wouldn't be pure and perfect. He couldn't become our Savior, our lamb without spot or blemish or wrinkle. So we go to Luke 4, verse 14, Jesus redeemed, uh, returned to Galilee, rather, in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside, and he was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone said, wow. We love you. We praise you. This is so great. And he went to his hometown of Nazareth. It's just like you going back to your old high school and trying to be cool, and they all say, we remember you from then. You you can't hide it in front of them, right? He'd been brought up there, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the, where? In the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up, and he read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. This is hometown boy makes good. He's come back to town, and he's among the the, the stone cutters, and he's among the farmers and the ranchers in this impoverished area of Nazareth that is oppressed by the Roman government. And he shuffles the scroll around, and he begins to read it, and he reads these words in Luke 4, verse 18 and 19. Would you read them with me, please? Ready? Go. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to, and to, oh, hang on. Yeah, there, you got it, you got it, right? And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Yeah. He sent me to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and what? He wants me to help them see recovery of sight to the blind to set the oppressed free, to open the prison doors. That's why I've been anointed. This is Jesus' mission. This is his purpose statement. This is what his life is all about, and he's not confused. And he's reading again from Isaiah 61, the prophecy about himself. And those of you that are note takers are saying, when do we get to fill in? Well, here you go. Get ready. Number one, freedom is found in Jesus. Freedom is found in Jesus. I'm going to say it again. Freedom is found in Jesus. Luke 4, and he rolled up the scroll, and he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. Now, the word sat down in the, in the, the old Greek text means he dropped the mic, 
He said, <laughs> he said, today the scripture is fulfilled in your midst. He drops the mic and he sits down and he's looking pretty cool there in the synagogue. And the place is packed with people. I have nothing more to say except for this fact, he says. The scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In your midst, says one version. In front of you, says another. Look and understand, it is me, the fulfillment of everything I just said. And people start saying, hey, he's a good preacher. He's all right. Somebody says, you got really pretty eyes. Somebody else says, look at his muscles. Remember, he's a carpenter's son. I always marvel at the fact we see these pictures of Jesus, and he kind of looks a little wimpy. By the way, they had no power tools, folks. They're hewning out laws. They're planing laws. I mean, some of you watch, you know, HGTV, and you go, look, they ran it through the planer. They're repurposing the wood there, dear. Isn't that nice? They didn't have any planers. It was all by hand. They sawed wood by hand. They cut down trees by hand. They made two-by-fours by hand, two-by-six, two-by-twelve, four-by-fours by hand. He's got big old guns on him. Come on. Big old guns. He's standing there. Some lady says, "Woo." Look at that guy. That's a specimen of a man right there. He's a good preacher, too. But then they started saying, but wait a minute. Isn't this Joseph's son? Carpenter kid from down the block. Hmm. And another thing got their attention was what he said. I declare the year of Jubilee, Shana Yabel. All debts are forgiven. I declare the year of grace. I declare the year of mercy. Listen, when you want your oppressors to be overthrown, when you want Rome to stop doing what they do to your economy, overtaxing you like 80%, they were tired of Rome. They were tired of Roman rule. And they wanted a Messiah who would somehow overthrow their enemy. And Jesus says, I want everybody to be free in me. I want to open prison doors. I want blind people to see. I want to declare... The year of grace. They wanted a warrior. They wanted a fighter. They didn't want a grace-filled king. The people wanted to drive. The people looked up at heaven in no uncertain terms and said, hey, is this who you think you're giving us, God? We'll wait for the Messiah. Do you know today still the Jewish people are standing back waiting for the Messiah to come? A lot of it has to do with this very moment right here. He's in their synagogue. He's declaring the word of God as he's reading Isaiah 61. But he wasn't what they thought he would be. I know lots of people who run from God because they realize God's not who they want him to be. They realize that God does have rules and they realize they can't justify the scriptures to say what they wanted to say to meet their desire or their whim or their latest fad or their latest craze. And they've given their life to God and Bad stuff still happens to them, or a loved one still dies, or someone gets cancer, or somebody loses a job. You're not the God I expected. Now, while God can provide us with jobs and God can heal our bodies, I can't understand everything God does and doesn't do, but I do know what the intention of Jesus was, that we would be delivered, that we would be delivered from the biggest enemy of our life, which is death itself, that he would be able to conquer the, the devil, that he would conquer hell, that he would conquer the grave. And that in the midst of this, not only would he give us eternal life, but that we could have life and life more abundant, but right here. I think a lot of people 
don't, they misinterpret what God's all about. They think, if I give my life to God, he'll give me prosperity, and I'll never go without. I'll have everything I want all the time. I'll never have to eat rice and beans. I'll never have just to eat peanut butter and jelly. I'm just always going to have a new car every couple of years. Everything's going to be great. I'm just going to have as much square footage as I want. I'm, I'm going to live my life all the time. It's all going to be great. And if I get myself into debt and I, and I don't follow best practices financially, that's okay because God will come and pour out more money from heaven and deliver me from my, my credit card debt. It's just God's going to be good to me all the time. And I can go to the outlet malls and I can shop online. Amazon Prime, baby. Come on, bring it. And God's going to take care of me. And then when things don't go our way, we blame God for stuff that we did, bad decisions that we made. Come on. Boy, if I was a preacher, bad choices. And they walk away from God. Listen, when all is said and done, here's, here's what you want. You want a Savior named Jesus who can get you to God, the God of the universe, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You want a Holy Spirit who's a part of the Trinity who can be with you, who can guide you, who can give you the peace of Christ that passes all understanding. That's really what you want. And at the end of your life, I got news for you. You won't care about credit card debt then. <laughs> you shouldn't have any, but you won't care about it then. And you won't even care about what you're leaving to your ancestors. What you're going to care about is the legacy of faith that you're taking with you that God's going to give you a place in heaven. That's what you're going to care about when you're 194. Come on. Hope you have a long life. I'm just making it longer. And so watch this now. Number two, freedom cannot be realized if you do not believe you're bound. He's saying, I'm coming to preach freedom for you. And they're saying, we want another Messiah. Check the box. This guy doesn't have it. We want somebody else. Freedom cannot be realized if you do not believe that you're bound. Luke 4, 22, 28 to 30. All spoke well of him and were amazed at his gracious words that came from his lips. But then they started. Isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't that that story about the immaculate conception? Virgin birth, come on. And they were whispering. They were doing like people do, right? They were Instagramming and Facebooking. Come on. Twittering, texting, Snapchatting. It was all there. And all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. And watch this. They got up and drove him out of town. This is Jesus. This is God in the flesh. This is the Savior of humanity. This is the one who can change our eternities. This is the one who can deliver us, deliver us from guilt and shame. And they drive him away from them. And they want to take him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. You ever read this part of the story? They want to push Jesus off the end of the cliff. Why? So he can roll down, yee, no, so he can kill him. Bless you. They want to kill the Savior before it's time to kill the Savior. They want to kill the Savior, not have the Savior lay down his life for them. They want to get rid of him because they don't like what he said. He's a great preacher, but why isn't he going to deliver us? Why isn't he going to do it our way? Jesus, we'll take the keys back from you. We're driving. Because we know what to do. We, we know where to go. Augustine said, they love truth when it enlightens them, but they hate the truth when it accuses them. Come on. They love truth when it enlightens them. Oh, teach us, oh, master. But when it accuses them, they say no. They run. They run from the truth, even if it's spoken in love. 
And if we have already come to Jesus, we have to still check. Come on, all of us have to still check how tightly we hold the keys. When the Lord asks us to love and serve, we, well, let me think about it. Let me think about it. Listen, you have, by the way, if you're a Christ follower, you have no option. Love your neighbor as yourself. I didn't make that up. He said it. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And isn't it interesting? It's kind of interesting. Excuse me, I'm going to go, go stand in the bold spot here. I'm going to be bold, not bald, bold. And, I, and I'm going to say in the bold spot, isn't it interesting we even have to ask for servants in a church like this? I mean, it's really interesting. You have to have people that spend time trying to get servants to serve and fill out surveys. It, I think it's, it's rather comical. I mean, we have a church that serves our kids. We have a church that serves our community. We have a church that does stuff that, that very few churches do. And we got to say, come help us. Come. We, we should be pushing you back. Good morning. I'm in the bold spot again. Bold spot. We should be pushing people. I mean, could you imagine if every Christian... In Santa Barbara County, at Vandenberg Air Force Base, in Orcutt, and Mesa Oaks, Mission Hills, Vandenberg Village, out 246 Campbell Road, Sweeney Road, Megalito Canyon. If all the Christians said, you know what, Lord, I'm all in. I'm fully devoted follower of yours. I will do whatever you ask me to do. Just whisper, Lord, here I am, send me. Could you imagine that? You know what would happen? The churches would have so much surplus of people and resources, and we wouldn't know what to do with it all. Go back to the bold spot. Huh? We wouldn't know what to do with it all. We'd build new parks. We'd have so much money. If less than 45% of people in Santa Barbara County are actually tithers, could you imagine if 100% were tithers? Imagine what kind of school district we could have. We could fund the school district. Hello. You wouldn't have a bond on the hospital. We would have built it. It would be called Lompoc Hospital, built by the churches, the body of Christ. I've done math before. I've actually done math before. Looked at all the median incomes for the entire county and said, if all the Christians, because it was a report about 40% were Christians, if 40% of the Christians gave the median income in tithe, 10% of that median income, we would have a surplus of money. Okay, I'll leave the bold, bold spot now and come back over here to where it's a little nicer, okay? Real freedom is missed while we are looking for sources other than Jesus to provide it. C.S. Lewis, a lot of people, you like C.S. Lewis? Anybody like him? Come on, oh, C.S., good, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you what he said. Christianity has no message for those who do not recognize that they are sinners. What is a Christian story? If it's not the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Luke 4, 18 and 19, because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. By the way, that verse is timeless. So if you're bound in any area of your life, if you're dealing with the guilt and shame from bad mistakes of the past, you've come to the right place today. Yeah. The right place is this. Jesus Christ, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he sent me to this earth, is what he's saying, to proclaim freedom to prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He didn't come to judge us, to condemn us, but he came that through him the world might be saved. That's why Jesus came. So this morning as we get ready to finish up, our ushers have been standing by so patiently waiting for the queue. And here's the cue right now to bring you communion this morning. 
They're going to bring you the cup. They're going to bring you the bread. You're going to hold it because we're going to eat and drink together. I want us to use these two elements, the blood of Christ, the cup, the body of Christ, the bread, to remember what he did for us and why he went to the cross. If you take Luke 4, 18 and 19, and overlay it with Jesus on the cross, those are his words, his purpose, his mission. Why am I being anointed to be your Savior? So you can be free. So that wherever you are oppressed, you could be free. Wherever you're, you're blind in your soul or in your revelation that you could see with new eyes, wherever you're not hearing what the Spirit's saying to the church, I want you to be able to hear. I, I, I want to do something for you you can't do for yourself. And then we hear these words down the quarters of time, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. That's Jesus. He didn't say, I came to... To show everybody that I could be stronger than the government. Though we know from scripture the government is upon his shoulders. He didn't come to say I'm going to throw over, overthrow every enemy. He said I, I came to overthrow the most important enemy. And that's the devil himself. That's death itself. That's the lies that he tells us because, because I am the truth and the life. So anything that's death or feels like death in your life. That's against the living God, I've come to die for that, to give you life and life more abundant. I read a story about a large, prestigious British church. It had a three mission churches, and every New Year's, they all gathered together in the one big cathedral in England. And the pastor got up, much like we're doing now, and said, we're going to have communion. Only here... They all knelt down at the altar rail all the way across the big cathedral. And he looked down and he, he saw one of the most notorious criminals with the largest rap sheet of anyone kneeling there for communion. He just did his second seven-year stint in prison. And when he served him communion, he this is the body of Christ. This is the blood of Christ. And right next to him was the judge of the Superior Court of England, kneeling down. And as they walked out of church at the end, the pastor said to the judge, man, it was so amazing to see the grace of God kneeling in front of me, to see the work of God kneeling in front of me. The judge said, yeah, I'm glad you saw me there. <laughs> you saw me kneeling there. He said, oh, no, 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 the, the criminal next to you, the one that you sentenced to seven years. He said, oh, no, 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 no. It's me. You see, to the priest, he said, I was raised in the church. I went to Sunday school all my life. My parents read the Bible with me. They, they prayed over me. They blessed me. When I graduated from Oxford and I finished my law degree, I was able to stand up and be given a prestigious place on the bench, and now the Superior Court of England. He goes, you might think the guy next to me is the story of grace. I'm the story of grace. 
You see, while he was in prison, he found Jesus Christ. But it could have been that I said, I'm a good man. I don't need Jesus at all. I'm okay. The pastor and him had a conversation that ended something like this. There was a day that Jesus stood up and read, I've been anointed to deliver, to free, to open the eyes of the blind. And Jesus was rejected. He told the pastor, it would be easy for me, someone who's walked with Christ so long, to reject who he is in my life every day because I figure, well, I'm okay. I wonder where we have maybe figured we're okay. We, we, we've got it all dialed in now. We're, we're okay, Lord. But I would challenge you, especially between now and Easter, every morning to say, God, I want to walk in your freedom today. I don't want anything to come in and bind me up. I, God, I don't want to take back the keys. You, you, you drive and I'll, I'll follow you. You lead the way and I'll do what you say. You whisper and I'll respond in obedience and I'll say, yes, God. I'll say, yes, God. As you hold the bread in your hand, we say, thank you, Father, for the gift of your Son. By the stripes that fell on the back of Jesus Christ, we are healed. By the nails that went through his hands, by his body that was given for us, we are free. As we put our faith in all that he does, as we believe and receive, we ask you, God, to help us to walk in the freedom that you provided for us by the body that you gave up for us. And the sense that's free is free indeed. Would you go ahead and eat the bread together? And then the Bible says Jesus took the cup and he blessed it and he said, this is the covenant, the brand new covenant in my blood. There'll be no more shed blood. There'll be no more lambs of sacrifice. I've died once and for all. And Jesus told him to drink that cup. And today I want you to remember that it's the blood of Christ that still saves us and redeems us. Oh God, it's through your blood that we're forgiven of all of our sins, our past, our present, and our future, and made completely righteous. Lord, we say it a lot around here, but I want to say it again. There's no situation that's gone too far that you cannot redeem. There's no one who's sinned so much that you cannot forgive them by the power of your blood. Your grace is greater than all of our sin. And we celebrate today and receive your forgiveness and your healing as we drink this cup. Go ahead and drink together. I want to end with a, a scripture this morning. It's Acts 4.12. And it says that salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And by the way, ladies, that word men is really humanity. It's not men or women. It's just human, the human race. Salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to men and women, boys and girls, that we must be saved by. 
That day that he read the Torah, they rejected him. But today may we say, God, we receive you. That day they said, you're not good enough, Lord. You're not doing what we want. Today may we say, God, have your way in us and through us. We want to follow you. We want to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.